I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. My bum, name is bum, bum, Daniel. Bum. I'm here with Pastor Troy, the yeah. sound effects, and we have a special guest today. We do have a special guest, Daniel. Who is he? He's Mr. Josh Humphreys is with us today. Josh We're Humphreys. so excited. Welcome, Josh Humphreys. Hello, First Baptist and others. Well, yeah. So, Josh. We're so glad. Josh is going to be working here with us uh, this summer, and today... It's his first day. Now, uh, during the podcast, his podcast comes out on Thursday, right, so right. he's actually been here for four days. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he's still here. Assuming he lasts that long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but uh, but for those who don't know, we, we record our podcast on Mondays live on Facebook at 1, normally around 1 p.m. Mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, if you tune in at 1, you get a little bit of a preview of what's going to actually get. It's kind of like it's the behind the scenes. Yeah. yeah. You know, normally, you get a DVD or something like that. You have to wait till the, mm-hmm. the movie comes out, and then you watch the movie on DVD and you get all these behind the scenes stuff. We do that in reverse. All the extra <laughs> stuff comes before the actual release and it's of the like, podcast. It's like the Mandalorian on <laughs> Disney Plus. When you see the behind the scenes, it's actually better than yeah. the show itself. Yeah, exactly. Like that. That's what people say. Yeah, they say we're, I mean, we're maybe, better to look at. Maybe Daniel and me who say that, but that's <laughs> but we're people. people. We're people. And that's right. And that's what we say. But Josh, welcome. So tell us, tell us, Josh, a little bit about you. You're from here. You're yes. from you're from First Baptist. You're yes. like cut your teeth here. We moved here, my family, the Humphreys, in like 2005, and uh, baptized by Carter Fry here. And um, yeah, then life went on, and I'm back. So you always find your way back was, home. That was really an abbreviated version <laughs> of, well, of your own life. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so you, went, you, went, you went to school at Jackson, right? Yes, I went okay. to school at Jackson, graduated in 2018, and then did one year of college. And then uh, the Lord called me out of that, um, dropped out of school, and... I'll be attending a Bible college in August. Okay, so I'm just I'm going to help you with this a little okay. bit. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> it kind of sounds like the Lord called me to drop out of school. Yeah, but he didn't. Not any he, sort he, of prophecy he or anything. Actually, <laughs> he called you to change schools. Yes. Is a, yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know I was going to be going to a school. I thought yeah. I didn't know. But what you I was do doing. now. Yes. Now I do. So, so. so now we can change the story. Yes. You know. I'm just trying to help you. Yeah. I'm just trying to say I don't want you to be the poster child for dropouts. <laughs> do it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Mom, God called me to drop out of school. So. Josh no. told me. Josh told you. Josh Humphries did it. Uh, no. He's oh transitioned you to something different, yes. which is exciting. Yes. So tell us about the school you're going to. Yeah, so um, it used to be called New Tribes, um, and it is a missionary um, training program, basically. And so the first two years of this program, which is now called Ethnos 360, um, is at Ethnos 360 Bible Institute. You know, I did not – that's the first time you told me that. I know oh, New okay. Tribes Mission. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, so it, used, it, it used to be New Tribes. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Now yeah. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah, yeah. so um, it's a two-year Bible training program. We go through Genesis to Revelation chronologically. Okay. Um, and then we'll study systematic theology and then how to be a missionary of the Word and a teacher of the Word for two years. Um, and so for the next two years, starting in August, I'll be doing that in Waukesha, Wisconsin. So. Waukesha, wow. Waukesha, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So how long are you in Waukesha, Wisconsin? Well, it's just like a regular school year, so from August, well, yeah, August to May, and then I'll be back for Thanksgiving, Christmas. I hear winters summer. are wonderful in Wisconsin. Oh, I heard that they are quite snowy, but <laughs> not like a Missouri winter. Missouri winters are very icy, yeah. but apparently... There's not a lot, not that much ice yeah. in Wisconsin. So. But it does get cold. A lot of snow. Last year, um, I was talking to my friend Allison this week, and she said it got down to negative 60. So oh, that wow. was the wind chill. So I don't know what the Holy actual temperature cow. was. Holy cow, still. That's yeah, crazy. So <laughs> we'll see how that not. goes for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Right. Well, good. Yeah. Well, uh, here's Josh. We're so glad you're here today. Josh is going to uh, give us some insights on some scripture, and we're also going to do some questions here in a little bit. But uh, this week's reading uh, was good. <laughs> this is probably my uh, – if I had to pick a portion of scripture it is. that I'm not as excited about. Woo! <laughs> 
It would be the first part of First Chronicles. It would be the first part of First Chronicles. You're right here. This I, is Troy's least favorite part of the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know people say Leviticus, or they'll say, yeah, I really had trouble getting through Numbers or whatever. I would read Numbers any day of the week uh, uh, over the first part of First Chronicles. Absolutely. The uh, well, but we end. The good part is for the for the whole week, we actually end on a, on a really strong note. Uh, the I mean, begin it begins really good. Uh, because we talk about Hezekiah, who's one of my favorite kings to to read about, uh, Hezekiah, and then um, and then his son Manasseh, one of the worst kings. You know, one of the best kings. You know, one of the worst kings. And then and then Judah has a great king, and Josiah, who's just an amazing king and does some amazing things. And but that's it. You have that little blip on the radar, and then things go downhill fast. They have the siege, and uh, and uh, and then all of a sudden, it it just goes. Uh, they get well, they go into captivity, and uh, and then we start First Chronicles. So we start all over again, and uh, First Chronicles begins by giving the genealogies of the different tribes of Israel. So we start, we go through every tribe and go back and talk about a lot. Of, it's like it's like watching a slideshow of a relative's relative, mm. and uh, and it's like here's here's cousin Simeon's, uh, <laughs> here's all their family tree. Let's so this is this is this is his great 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 grandfather. This is great great grandfather, oh, and these are his brothers and so forth. And you're like, oh my goodness, when does this end? But uh, but it does have meaning and so forth. But thrown in there is one weird little moment in uh, about this guy named Jabez and uh, and so which is all the whole little book came by. have you ever read the book I have the yeah. prayer of Jabez uh, so it's it's a it's a little book booklet almost Lit. thing it's not yeah. really super big book but it's a uh, but, but very popular oh yeah and uh, and when you read it it doesn't even it doesn't really even fit there doesn't really you don't really see where it connects with the rest of the genealogy but anyway we'll talk about that maybe maybe we'll talk about that maybe, a little bit because uh, we just talked about it a little bit just then, uh, but um, but we'll look at that uh, maybe. I actually have no, non-committal, I, and then um, and then the Psalms. We went through Psalm 74, 75, 76, and seventy. Started out with seventy-seven last mm-hmm. week, and um, and then uh, some Proverbs. Uh, all these some good nuggets of truth. Actually, some really good strong Proverbs. There that are uh, they're all good. But anyway, some things I think that are really apply to all of us. And Acts chapter one through five. We've we finished the Gospels week before. Uh, and now we're into the book of Acts, which is really uh, – it, it should be exciting to the church because mm-hmm. it's really – we're ongoing. I remember the Acts 29 movement or whatever mm-hmm. because that's, that's really what the church is. We're just a continuation of, of the book of Acts. Now, obviously, the apostles, for all you cessationists out there, <laughs> I know you're going, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what we, what we mean is, is that, yes, the apostles did begin this, and mm-hmm. it does re- highlight their activity. But uh, – but, but that is still preserved for us through uh, the Word of God, their their writings and so forth. And so the power of the Holy Spirit still is made manifest in the church today, and uh, and we continue to do that work. But it is probably the uh, one of the more valuable. Um, the letters of Paul obviously are valuable because they're written to the church. But the Acts kind of say these are this is how the Holy this is all post Holy Spirit given. We have we have Pentecost <clears throat> that's going to occur in the first part, uh, and then and then from that point forward, now we see this is how it looks. In a Jesus has ascended to the Father, the Holy Spirit active within the church world, and we still live in that world, and so uh, that's that's why it's exciting to me. So we're gonna do the first five chapters of that, and um, and that's and then we'll do some questions. So anyway, that's what we're looking at. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and and talk about uh, Josh. I hope you have some things that maybe were meaningful to share. So we look forward to hearing that when we get back. Okay, we are back. We're going to go over some devotional moments that we have. And we thought, since we have a guest star with us today, Josh, we would just throw him under the bus and have him go first. Well, that is, that's the thing. We really are interested in what Josh has to say. Yeah, we've got to make sure we have time. I get to hear what Daniel has, thinks about the Bible all the time. Right. And he is to hear what I think. How boring. Ad nauseum. <laughs> and so, but now we're very interested to hear how Josh perceives uh, the Word of God and specifically, it would be really cool if you would stick to the part that we read last week. Yes. And I'm watching him flip his pages, and all his whole Bible is like marked up and got highlights and underlines and notes everywhere. So I'm, I'm, it's, I'm just like, I'm basically salivating. <laughs> this is gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be good. Salivation. Solid stuff here. 
All right, Josh, yeah. carry into it. What, what stood up What'd to you like? this week? So um, as I looked through all of it, um, I see an overlying just like theme through all of it. Um, and I usually come up with like phrases to just like make all of the study one in my head. Um, and just something I saw through all of this was the um, fearful and sweet power of the Lord. Mm. Um, and so we see um, just through the genealogy of, of how Christ came to be. And then uh, in Psalms, we see just uh, anger towards humanity. In Proverbs, we see the sinfulness of man um, and how the Lord will deal with that. And then in Acts, we see um, the Holy Spirit, like the sweet power of God, come to um, his people um, and rescue them from uh, danger, like when when um, when they're on trial. And uh, let's see here, what verse is it? Um, verse 14 in Acts uh, 4 says, um, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. Um, and so we see the Lord just like come to the rescue of his people um, just so sweetly. And then also just the fact that the church grew um, so fast and we just we just watch his power there. Um, that's something that is super cool um, that I saw is just the the power of the Lord, um, sweet and scary. Um, so well, that's good. It is that's awesome. Solid stuff. All right. Well, I will go. Um, and Second Kings is my first place. Right at the beginning in uh, chapter 17, at right at the end of it, it says uh, it's talking about this nation who um, you know is doing is doing pretty good as far as you know Israel's concerned so far. And it says. In verse 40, um, God, or verse 39, it says, The Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. This is nice. This is good. We like this. And then in verse 40, it says, However, ugh, they did not listen, but they did according to their earlier customs. So while these nations feared the Lord, they also served their idols, their children likewise, and their grandchildren, as their fathers did, so they do to this day. What struck me is how um, we're just like them. Right, like we will see, God will reveal something to us, whether it's through His Word, through the Christians, through culture. Um, but He'll reveal like either a sin in us or something we need to take notice of, and then we we latch onto it, just like Israel, and say, "Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, we'll follow the Lord. We'll do what you say." Mm-hmm. And then, as soon as it's not popular anymore, or as soon as we get a little bit of distance from it, we immediately fall back into our norm. Like it says in verse mm-hmm. 40, they did according to their earlier custom. And it's like, man, and I'm seeing stuff like I'm I'm trying to make heart changes right now based on things that I'm seeing and things that I'm seeing in myself and what um, the culture around us is making um, making kind of obvious to the church right now. And so I'm I'm trying to make changes, but I'm also sensing myself as it gets less and less popular, putting less and less emphasis on the lessons that God has taught me. Hmm. And so I'm trying to really take that captive and, and just address that. But for me. Reading that, I mean, just in this day is was powerful for me. So, awesome. That's all I have. That's good stuff. Um, I I was struck by um, Proverbs 18. We don't. I seem. I feel like we don't give enough. Um, we don't highlight the proverbs enough sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the um, uh, Proverbs 18:22 through 24. It says, "He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord." The preach. Poor, the poor man uses <laughs> entreaties, but the rich answers. Roughly, uh, and a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Those are three awesome mm. proverbs, and that's and that's the nature. That's we talked about this before. One of the reasons I like this reading is because sometimes when you're doing a read through the Bible, it will just use proverbs as a book, and mm. you and you'll have and you'll read through the whole thing of proverbs mm. in a few days. Uh, but this particular reading plan, it just you just have a section of Proverbs every day. It divides up Proverbs over 365 days because really it's it's a lot to digest on on one mm-hmm. verse. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I highlighted um, Proverbs 18:22. I don't know if my wife is still paying attention or watching. She might be off break or, or go back to lunch. But anyway, so I'm going to say this anyway. Uh, this because this wasn't for a benefit. Just for the record, this was written down uh, on uh, Sunday, June 14th. So. Um, uh, not a day goes by when I'm not reminded of how Kim is a living example of the favor of the Lord. She is far more than I deserve, and I hate the moments uh, when I act ungrateful because God preserves me through her, uh, and I love her deeply. Uh, it is, I think any 
man of God worth his salt, uh, and I, I really believe this, uh, there is a, uh, I remember when I was listening to Rick Warren one time, and I, I shared the story before, just how I believe that God brought Kim and me together, that I that he I asked him to show me the wife that he had for me, and I believe that he brought Kim into my life and said, this is the one I want you to marry. I was listening to Rick Warren's testimony about him, how he met Kay. He said the exact same thing. And uh, and so you see this this which is so affirming to me and 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 I and I I feel for people who have married people this is good for you Josh uh, <laughs> unmarried one uh, the um, there are I, I get it that sometimes people are married and they look back and they think well that's not how it happened at all uh, and there is grace for that. I'm not trying to say that at all, but if you are not married and you are looking to be married uh, and you are in the ministry, there is no better thing than for you just to simply lay that in the hands of the Lord and ask him to provide you the mate and to trust him in that. Uh, it's like a uh, Ravi Zacharias, who passed away mm-hmm. not too long ago, had um, uh, Isaac, Rebecca kind of story, a book that he wrote. Uh, I, Isaac, take thee, Rebecca, or something. I can't remember the name of it. I wish I did. But uh, anyway, he wrote about that story of how Isaac... Uh, how Abraham sent uh, his servant and out to find the spouse for Isaac, that and his servant went and asked God, please God, show me the woman that you have for my master's son and so forth. Uh, and it was Rebecca, and obviously that turned out to be a pretty good union as well. Uh, but but this is uh, it is a uh, when you find a wife uh, that is that is the favor of the Lord and. And even if you did not get your wife or find your wife in that manner, you, when you understand the fact that that is the fact that you have a wife, that it is a gift from God, and you treat her as a gift from God, mm-hmm. uh, it, it will transform your marriage uh, into something uh, much better than what it may be. Uh, we we really need to just see that 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 if if you have a godly woman, if you have a woman who is a follower of Jesus Christ, and you are married to her, then you need to treat her as though she is a special gift from the Lord, and that you cannot live without her, and and to arrange your life accordingly, and do whatever you have to do uh, to keep her, and. Um, uh, so yeah, and I'm so glad my wife isn't on this week to point out there where I've fallen short in that regard. Um, but he also says uh, the poor man uses entreaties, but the rich answers roughly. And I just wrote also on that uh, briefly here. When our finances are dire, we are much more gracious to others, especially those who impact us financially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is just a uh, just a, a little piece of nugget of wisdom that that uh, Solomon gives. That and sometimes. God, when we ask ourselves, I wonder why God allows me hardship. I wonder why God doesn't just give me all the money that I need to do whatever I want. And the answer is very simple. He knows how you would act if you did have more money. Mm-hmm. And if it will not bring you closer to him, if it will not make you more like Christ, then he's not giving it to you. And so the how much money you have is a reflection of God's knowledge of your character. Uh, so just keep that always in the back of your mind. He give, I, I do the same thing with my children. I know what they can handle. I know what they can't handle. I know if I give them too much, I know they will freak out and go crazy with it. Uh, and so I, I give them I, a good parent moderates that and God is a good parent so your finances are directly connected to your uh, character so anyway that's it that's it for that that's awesome Josh we're back to you man okay yeah so um, I was thinking uh, over the psalm the psalms that we went over and um, let me get to them again I we just see literally just the Lord's power um, through all of this Um, the first the first verse that stuck out to me was 74, 17. And it says, you have fixed all the boundaries of the earth. You have made summer and winter. Um, and I just think that that is just crazy. Um, the mm. Lord has fixed the boundaries of the earth. Um, mm. like he, um, he just sovereignly has told the earth and water where to stop and where to begin. Um, and just the seasons, summer and winter, um, how different they are. Um, and beautiful in their own ways, and the Lord just made them. Yeah. And so again, I see his power, his sweet power here. Um, and then we go down to verse 22, and we see God's scary power. Um, verse 22, the first part says, Arise, O God, defend your cause. And that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and we see that continued on um, through 
through the rest of the Psalms that we've read and the things that um, should scare humanity um, makes us Christians love the sweetness of him even more. Um, and we should fear God and that's why we should be faithful to him. And we should be just in love with the sweetness and praise him that we are not under his wrath anymore as, as saints. And so I think it's a good um, reminder of, of where we could have been and um, the Lord has um, brought us to his sweetness. So, yeah. That's good. You mentioned where um, the boundaries end and, and just how God draws those things out. I think for us in our spherical earth landscape, mm-hmm. kind of have a hard time picturing that. But have you seen the picture of where the Pacific Ocean meets the Atlantic Ocean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen it? No. I got it pulled up it's here. So cool. For those of you who, who haven't, pause the podcast, go look it up, come back. Like off the co- off the Cape off, Horn or whatever? Yes, off the bottom of South America. Yep. Um, and it's it's amazing. Look at this. Oh my goodness! On Google. So one ocean is one color, and the other ocean is mm. is a different, a very different shade of bluish green, and they do not mix. And wow! It's amazing. That it's is like an crazy. awesome picture, and they people put the scripture next to it all the time. Wow! Uh, yeah. The, how the boundaries? God's laid the boundaries of the sea, and it says, "This far you should come and no further." Wow! And and it's amazing because they it doesn't. It's wow. so cool, so cool. So anyway, yeah. I just think that's a cool little. I want to go there now. Me too. It's like on my bucket list. It's, it's like, what funny. happens when you swim down that line? I know. Yeah. <laughs> Revelation. How does that feel? <laughs> For an instant, are you like not wet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's just funny that the Lord just reminded me of uh, Job 13. 27 mm. um the second half of it says you set a limit for the soles of my feet uh, and so it's like not only does he do this for the world but he does this for us his mm, sovereign mm, just wow. his provincial plan um is just he sets a limit for us he sets a limit for the world and so we see his sovereignty just his sweet come out and it's it's incredible so that's awesome cool yeah. cool 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 yeah cool i can sit on that for a while but um my next one is also in second kings I do have one in Acts, but we don't have to get to it. I think someone else is going to grab it. But um, in Second Kings... He's a prophet. Yeah, Daniel's acting like, as a prophet. Whoa. Daniel a prophet. And da- oh, my. But uh, <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Sorry, bad joke, bad joke. Oh, dad joke, goodness. dad joke. Yeah. Uh, I'm still charged from yesterday. Yesterday was Father's Day. I don't know. Oh, yeah. so, um, in Second Kings chapter 20, we're talking about Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's story is so cool. It's like whoever was taking notes for all the histories of the kings just paused for a minute to talk about Hezekiah because you get these little bitty <laughs> sub-chapters on the bad kings and these other good kings, and they did this, and God liked this, and he didn't like that. And then Hezekiah camps out for a while, so I love it. And um, it just says Hezekiah became really sick, and, mm-hmm. and Isaiah came, and he had a message from God, and he said, look, man, Hezekiah, you're going to die. And uh, has a, and that's it. That's the message. And he leaves. And and there's something I hate to jump in, but isn't it amazing that Isaiah is an? I mean, you have this yes. huge heavyweight prophet, right? And he's a contemporary of Hezekiah. Oh, so you got two so at the cool. same time. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. And he just walks in. Like yeah. that's a cool <laughs> dynamic. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But he walks out, and um, when he leaves the room, it's it's like you get this picture of Hezekiah like turning and just starting to cry. It's like he puts his. It says he puts his head, his face to the wall, like. She's turning to cry. You have some privacy. And um, he's crying out to the Lord. He doesn't ask that the Lord will save him. He just asks God to remember him. Mm. He just says, God, mm. if I'm going to die, remember that I loved you. Remember that I served you. And and in that, God hears that. And he, of his own, nobody asked God to do this. But on God's own, he goes to Isaiah and says, look, I've, I've heard the king cry to me. And I'm, I'm going to extend his life, 15 years. And so Isaiah goes back and he tells the king, "Hey, man, you're you're gonna live for a while longer. And uh, how do you want how do you want God to prove this to you? And instead of and he says, "There's a shadow. Do you want it to move forward as it naturally would, just faster, or do you want it to move backwards?" And he says, "Well, it would be pretty easy for God to just move a shadow forward. Let's wa- let's let's see what God can do and just move it back. And just even even in this crazy time, this could not have been an easy day for Hezekiah." But he he even then just leans on the on faith, and it's just cool the relationship that this great king and God have, um, just just to watch and how God hears the mourning of people who love him. It's it's not like he is just this far off thing that even though he like we just talked about he plots out everything to the T. Doesn't mean he is not moved 
by mm. the heart cry of his people. Right. And and it's just good. It's it's great that we have this dynamic God. Um, and again with Josiah, Josiah does does something similar. He has a he has mm. a heart cry that the Lord hears, and and he moves. And that's crazy. I can't rationalize that in my brain, thinking theologically and doctrinally, but it's there and it's awesome. So. Mm. That's, I love that picture of the Lord. So anyway, that's the end of awesome. that one. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I don't know that I'm going to actually say what you want me to say. What no, was it? Did you want good. me to say? I don't know. Oh, I was just talking about... In Acts. You said in Acts. I was going to cover what you said next. Oh, I was, I was the, in Acts... The, 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 the end of Acts 4. I was talking about Barnabas. Oh. Um, well, I'm not going to... I was doing Acts 3. Okay, so, okay. so close. That's good. It's good. Close it enough. says um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, he says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken of by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. And what an amazing mm-hmm. message that Peter gave. When Peter preaches, man, he's just so on fire, mm-hmm. of course, filled with the Holy Spirit and so forth. Now, this is after um, he have they have been, they've done the message at Pentecost, and now they're going to Solomon's porch, and they're preaching and so forth, and and uh, and gathering together every day. Uh, people have been healed, and, and when, when he gets an opportunity to speak before the people, uh, again, he just continually pours this out, and always calling people to repentance. The um, the Pharisees believed that they believed it would take a righteous person uh, or people incurring the favor of God to usher in the coming of the Messiah. This is a that was a known biblical thing, uh, and that's what uh, that's exactly what happened. But they believed that that was them. So actually, the the theology of the Pharisees and the theology of Jesus were identical. The person who they believed would accomplish this was different mm. they believed that they could do it they believed that they would they were going to work together they saw themselves as not being the savior uh, of of israel but believing that if we as a group of people can be faithful this this remnant of of the people of Israel will be faithful. Then God will see our faithfulness and reward that faithfulness with the coming of the Messiah and then the restoration of Israel. And so that's why they were so careful about following the law and so forth, and and very particular about people coming in, always ready to condemn people and to say you're not obviously you're not doing this. But then saw themselves as a elite group of please don't touch us, don't get close to us, don't be near us. You, you understand we're the we're the special people, and so this was the culture in which Jesus came into. Uh, and so when they saw Jesus, they were like. He would be a great asset to our team because he's mm-hmm. super good. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he turned it on his ear and he said, "No, no, no! None of you are going to be able to do. This. All of you are just as bad as the rest of them." Well, that didn't sit well uh, with them. If you think you're super good, and somebody comes along and says, "No, you're you're just as bad as as the prostitutes and and tax collectors," then it's like, "Whoa, that's not what we're looking for here." <laughs> and so you, you can't. Sorry, you can't be part of our team no, after all. And so. But it, but it did catch the favor of people like Nicodemus and others who were like, "What is going on with you? You know, how is this? How are you doing all these things? And what is your take on all this and so forth?" Who really wanted to know and understand. Um, but uh, so they were right in their understanding, but they were wrong in their belief that they could be the righteous ones. And I think that is exactly where our world is today. Uh, you have people who who are thinking. Uh, and all the things that are happening, if you really pay attention to what people are saying, is it's kind of like the people these the, that plan over there is wrong, but we have a plan. I think that would be better. It may not be perfect, but it's going to be better than theirs. And if everybody will just do it the way it's supposed to be done, we will usher in an age of of peace and prosperity, and and the world will be a better place if we'll all just get online because we figured it out. We've, mm-hmm. we've fir- fir- finally managed to, to say this is what we all need globally. And, and so all the different hashtags and slogans and everything that people yeah. try to get everybody to jump onto, if you really listen to what they're saying, that's what's behind it. They really think this is what would make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. And the church has to remember 
that none of us have ever been able to do this. We have tried for ages and ages and ages. Different cultures, different societies, different religions, even our own religion has tried to to get to a place where we have reached this place of perfection. Uh, and we are, if you do it in small groups of people, large groups of people, if it's just 10 people or a million people, we can't do it. Only one man has been able to uh, to f- gather the favor of God, and that is Jesus himself. He is the only one who has gathered a, the favor of God. And um, and so he himself, uh, he's the only one who possesses that type of righteousness. So when we repent of our rebellious nature, when we recognize we can't do it on our own, uh, then he becomes our way. He becomes, and that's what he said he was, he is the way. Uh, so when his people have all gathered together, then he will return to receive them. And and so we are we are actually moving toward a time of refreshing. I mean, we are actually it's everybody's like we got to do something. We got to do something. It's like something's already been done. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you're you're not gonna make it get here faster or better. You just need to receive the thing that we all know. I mean, because those of us who know Christ know that we have peace and turbulent times. It doesn't matter the circumstances of the world around us. Uh, but here's the thing that that we can't give them, and that is we can't fix this world. Mm-hmm. Jesus has already said that this world is going to incur judgment of wrath, and he's going to bring a new one. And so where we are at odds with the world is, is that we are saying, let this world go. Uh, it takes me back to... Um, we haven't got there yet, but when we're close, uh, when we ended Second Kings, it ended with the siege of Jerusalem and so forth, and then Babylon uh, taking them in. And uh, and where when we get into the prophets, Jeremiah was prophesying against the kings and would say uh, and began telling people, "Do not resist anymore." Let you're going to be taken, so just be taken. And they were like, "No, we need to fight. We need to fight. We need to fight." And so. You, then you have this prophet who's has a lot of notoriety going. Nope, don't fight. Just give up and let them take you. It's over. And the kings are like, shut him up. He is. That's really bad for morale for your military when he's saying, lay down your arms, give up. If you don't give up, you're gonna die. And then uh, that's so people are like. How do we? So they put him in a pit and they did everything they could to keep him quiet. Threatened to kill him multiple times. But here's the thing. That's the age in which we live in. We are the Jeremiah's of this age. We are the ones saying, you can't fix this. Stop trying. Just give up. Relinquish it. Jesus said, you know, don't try to keep your life. Lose your life. Mm-hmm. And when you lose your life, you'll get it. And But the world doesn't want to hear that. And so they, they, they're going to persecute us because that's our message is that this world is lost. Let it go and embrace the one to come which means we have to trust in a life that only comes to us after we give up this one. And uh, nobody nobody who doesn't believe, if you don't believe that there is a life to come, if you don't believe in the supernatural, if you don't believe in resurrection, then of course you wouldn't want to give this life up because it's the only one you got. Um, and so we're at, we are literally at war with, uh, with people who do not believe in the power of resurrection. And friends, We've been in that war for 2,000 years. That's not changed. So if you love this world and you're trying to fix it, well, then you don't have a place in the kingdom of God because uh, it's this. This is not the world that we're we're. Um, this is not our home. And so so anyway, but but the so if we repent and give it up, then he says this: a time of refreshing will come when I return. I will, yes, I'm going to destroy this world, but I'm giving you a new one, a new home. And, uh, and so let this one go. And, and so it's, anyway, that's, that's the message in the book of Acts. Uh, I think one of the things that the church is struggling with right now is we like this world too much. Mm-hmm. We found, we've put some roots down. We've found th- some things we like about it. And we forgot, uh, this is not the end goal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I, I was listening to a message yesterday, and one of the main points was, the mission of the church is not to fix society, but to preach the gospel of Christ. Yeah. And I think that just kind of encapsulate, encapsulate, encapsulates what you just said. Yeah. Like we can't fix it. Uh, our job is to preach the yeah. goodness. I, what is, what is the we had a we had a listener that had an insight. We did. We had a couple. Um, I'll just read them. They're um, 
first one's in Chronicles. It says, although First Chronicles seems tedious with names, it is a good reminder at this time that all mankind came from Adam, who was made in God's image. So that's cool. That's an observation from First Chronicles. Uh, John 21, 22, this is from last week, but it says, we all have our own unique journey that God has planned for us individually. Comparison is the thief of joy. Hmm. That's a nice hmm. word. And Proverbs eighteen nineteen says, an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. Hmm. Which is also very true. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. Thank you. Thank you for for reading. Mm. And um, we didn't get a lot of questions this week. No. But when we don't get questions, we just think of questions. We make them up. We make questions up. So when we come back, we're going to make some stuff up. And and (laughs) And answer them. And we answer them. Yeah. The the great part about our own questions is we know the answers. We know the answers. That's right. Well, we'll see you then. All right, we are back. We've got some questions here from our faithful audience. Whoop, whoop. And if you are a faithful audience member who's listening to the podcast and you run across something, anything in the Bible, we send would us a text message, send us a text, an you email. Can, you can get our info on our website at fbcj.us. That's right. And we would love to get your questions and and just dive into it. We'll do it on the podcast. We'll even say your name if you want us to. And Josh, if while we are sitting here, you come up with a question, mm-hmm. that you just do not hesitate to ask. Oh, just, I won't. I'll interrupt. Just interrupt. The entire conversation. That's exactly yeah. right. Wait, please we'll, do. We'll go. Like uh, you all don't remember Welcome Back, Cotter, but no, uh, there's a guy named Horshack. We'll ooh, 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 ooh. Somebody will get it's that. It's a cultural mm-hmm. reference. There you oh, go. Okay. Sorry. Mm, got it. From way back when, when. Um, John Travolta was first, his first acting gigs. You all know really? who John Travolta is, yes. right? Yes. yes. Yeah, the guy in Phenomenon. Yes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what a the worst possible reference I can think of. Saturday okay. Night Fever. There's uh, all Grease. Kinds of, I don't Grease. know. Grease. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, and Daniel picks out Phenomenon. <laughs> you know, it's the, like saying Battlefield Earth or something. The movie Incredibles references Phenomenon in it. I don't know if it, most oh, people don't catch it because they're not intimately familiar. Yeah. I have seen the movie Phenomenon, though. Yes. So. There's a character that keeps telling this character, the main character, Bob, to be specific, Bob. Be specific, Bob. And there's Mm -hmm. there's a point where Robert Parr in The Incredibles is talking to his boss, and he says, and he asks him to clarify. He says, "Be specific, Bob," and that's a that's a direct reference to phenomena. So, How about that? Yeah. I did not catch that. That's trivia for sure. For wow, that is that is massive trivia. Thank you for that. Yeah, cool, cool. So we do have real questions. Okay. Um, one of them comes from the reading in Acts, where you've got Barnabas, who it's talking about everyone selling everything they have, Christian socialism mm-hmm. here, and giving so that nobody has any needs. And this dude Barnabas, who is a Levite comes up and he sells all of his land and gives all the money to the church. Dun, dun, awesome. Dun. Except that Levi's aren't supposed to own land according to Jewish law. Dun, 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 dun. So what's with that? <laughs> so what is with that? Well, there. I've got uh, three options and then you have a fourth. I, I have you. a... Oh, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, I'll yes. let you... I'll, I'll save yours for last. You have yeah. three other than the one I yeah. talked about. Okay. Um, one option is... That uh, in the first century they're just not following Jewish law. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's, yeah. uh, uh, that's uh, you know, I mean, they, I mean, there's all kinds of things that they're not observing that are in Levitical law, and it could just be at the time when it's like, oh, that's all passe, and mm-hmm. we don't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, kind of like when you when you go through the time of the kings, you'll just notice. Well, I mean, I mean, take David and Solomon have lots of kings have multiple wives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not really a Levitical uh, Old Testament law thing, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's definitely and uh, and they do all kinds of things. Uh, they don't practice the Passover. They don't do the Jubilee. They don't. Mm-hmm. They don't all kinds of things that get kind of shoved to the side. And even though there are many things that they pick up during the time of the Pharisees and so forth after the Maccabees uh, gain power, uh, it could just be one of those things that got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. That's one option. It's not necessarily a very good one. We don't do that uh, as Baptists. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, second thing is it could be his wife's land. It could belong uh, to her family, mm-hmm. and it could be something that had. And uh, and then a third option uh, could be that he was a business owner, uh, 
uh, and it would be something that he had as part of a business, which would have been allowable, um, like he had an LLC corporation, <laughs> and uh, and he had that uh, land, uh, something that somebody had, you know, through negotiating or through bartering or whatever, uh, he had that and, and made it available. So there there were some there were some possibilities there, and but you have a fourth cool. option. Yeah, well, we were just talking, and um, my little study Bible here speculates that. It could be that um, it says in verse 36 that he's a Cyprian, so mm. he's from Cyprus, and it's possible that it's because it's outside of the land of Israel given to Correct. Israelites, yeah. then it could be could be construed as legal or whatever, right. passable, because it's not Israel Israeli land. Right, exactly. It's not part of the promised land. It's not part, not of, the part land, of the land right? that was given you. So. Yeah. 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 Ooh, 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 I have a question. Ooh, your little, ooh. Here we go. Thing. Um, yeah, so this comes out of Proverbs 18, verse 24, which states, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Um, this is a thing that I think a lot of people my age, and probably everybody, I just am aware of it because... I'm my age, um, but I'm sure other people struggle with it as well. Relationships with friends can be really hard within a biblical community. Mm. So how um, do you work on a friendship that is closer than a brother? Um, and how do you find that? Uh, what should you pray for? Um, what should you push for? And what should you get out of yeah. that friendship? So Well, this go. probably would be uh, believing the, in the Proverbs uh a good reference that Solomon would have had would have been his father's relationship with Jonathan mm. um, because uh, obviously they were not blood relation, but his relationship with Jonathan was much closer than mm. that of his David's relationship with his own brothers. Um, but uh, since this is the Understanding Jesus podcast, let me just fast forward to uh, <laughs> something Jesus says that uh, when he highlights that who are my mother and who are my brothers and who are my sisters, mm-hmm. he said those who do the will of my father. Uh, Jesus kind of retrans re re. Uh, I think uh, he does something that really transforms our whole understanding of family that we even in our culture today struggle with because we have this <laughs> I, it reminds me of a family reunion we had years ago <laughs> and Uh-oh, I was I'm at this family <laughs> reunion and I they were talking about who came from the longest distance well at the time um, this was the reunion was in Fordsville Kentucky which is where my family's from uh, and uh, and we uh, we lived in Oregon and so we uh, we lived in Oregon, and so I was like, well, obviously we came further than anybody else. And then somebody else says, well, we're also from Oregon. And and I was like, what? And what? it's like it's just a distant cousin, somebody I'd never met before, but they mm-hmm. were like a third, fourth cousin or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they said, well, we live in Lake Oswego. This only means something to people who are from Oregon. But uh, they, live, <laughs> they live in Lake Oswego, and we lived in Salem. And they're like, Lake Oswego is a little bit further away than Salem is. I said, yeah, on a map, you know. But if you're driving, mm, you have to, I have to drive through Lake Oswego mm. to get to the airport to fly here. So actually, we came further yeah. than you did. And so the, so anyway, but after we were done having this little discussion, they said, I can't believe we live so close. We should get together. And it was basically a come to our house anytime, fraternize with our family. Why? Because we have the same last name. I have no idea who you are. It's like, but you have access to our home, all of our goods and possessions. Please help us raise our children because we have, because we are family. And that is how people think of family. They have this connection that is like, but, but Jesus is saying, not so good. That's not that's not a really good connection. Blood doesn't necessarily translate to something. Well, we give that uh, meaning. He says the real meaning is, do they do the will of my Father? Are they obedient to me? And what he's saying is, it's the church where those relationships are born. Mm. And so, really, yeah. uh, we are to be intentional in our relationships. I think sometimes we we divorce ourselves from. Uh, the discipleship process and the church process, when we think of friendships, it's like, yeah, yeah, I have to be friends with them because I go to church with them. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, you need to be intentional in your relationships within the body of Christ because that is where dis- real discipleship takes place. That's where real friendships should take place. Mm-hmm. And when you make an effort to say, well, this person is trying to follow Christ and I'm trying to follow Christ, I think two things should always be happening. One is you always should be looking for people who need your help 
in becoming a better follower of Christ. And you always need to be looking for someone who can help you become a better follower of Christ. And those are the natural friendships that God himself is working to create. Uh, and I believe they're always there. I, I, don't, I don't think God's put us in a situation where it's like, oh, I'm sorry, you're a lost cause. I can't help you. There's nobody who will be your friend. Now, I think that there's always a friend that he has for us. I think we try to we try to circumvent that situation and say, I don't want this person, but God has the person who's best for us and who will help us in our relationships. And we need to be looking more for his hand at work than really trying to satisfy our own natural uh, ambitions or selfishness there. So I don't know if that's, that's a long answer to a short mm-hmm. question, but it's a good answer. Yeah. Good answer, I do want to tackle the Hezekiah. You mentioned this while we weren't on the podcast, but uh, the Hezekiah uh, is going to die thing. Uh, and, uh, Hezekiah was told by God that he was going to die, and then he freaks out and begins to cry out to God and say, "God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die." Uh, not really with that. I don't know. I've really made it bad there. But the um, but uh, but he cries out to the Lord, and the Lord relents, and he gives him 15 more years. Now, here's the question: Why would God tell him he's going to die when he knows he's God? Obviously, he knows that he's going to give him 15 more years. So why would God create this little exercise? Well, that's actually something that God does all the time. He he creates scenarios in our life and asks us to to invite us to pray. And if you can think of it like this, God is all the time allowing circumstances, events in our life that you hear a bad word from the doctor, you hear something that happens uh, that's going wrong, or you see financial ruin coming to someone, or somebody's maybe losing their job. In fact, if you think of every single prayer request you have, it's because it looks as though something is going to happen, and you need and you believe it would be bad, and so you entreat the Lord and say, God, would you change this? When we are entreating the Lord, this is what Scripture tells us we need to really think about. Is what is happening hindering me from doing that which God put me here to do? And so we are trying to find out what does God really want to happen? Is this an attack from the enemy? Is this something that's happening that really is? And so, so really you begin to say, if I had 15 more years, I would use it for the glory of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and it it helps us. God already knows what's happening, but it gets us thinking in terms of, I am I living for the Lord now? Would I use the, the extra time to live for the Lord and so forth? I had, let me say, if you've ever heard this explanation, I'm going to just debunk this. <laughs> I've heard someone preach uh, years ago who said that Hezekiah asked for it wrongfully, and as a punishment, and, and what happened because he got these 15 years is Manasseh was born during that 15 years, and as a result of him wrongfully asking for the selfishly asking for the 15 years, Manasseh was born. And if Ezekiah had just gone ahead and died, then Manasseh would have never been born, and everything would have been fine in Israel. It's like that is crazy. I'm just going to say that's a crazy explanation because here's what you're taking, you're, what you're thinking. You're thinking that that God then blesses Hezekiah with something that then is going to create the destruction of Israel. Manasseh is going to be born <laughs> or, you know, that that's part of the plan regardless. Uh, and so, uh, so you're trying to say that God is injecting that into this, that, I don't know, anyway, I don't know. We'll talk about that. If you if that's how you think, then you have to call me separately because there's a lot of a lot of we have to go into it deeper. But but here's here's really what's taking place is God is because God's continually showing this. He's saying I I need you to pray for rain or I need you to pray that it stop rain. I need you to pray for this healing. When you're praying for the healing of anybody, the way you should entreat the Lord is is Lord, this person is is here for your purpose for your glory. By healing them, that enables them to continue to bring glory to you, to continue to further your kingdom, to continue to be a witness for the gospel, whatever whatever it is. And if it is not for your glory, if it is not for your will to be accomplished, if it is not, then obviously then you do what you need to do. But uh, then, but but we are asking for healing, believing that they still have time left on this planet to be a, an influence for good. You will know whether that is true or not, by the way, he responds to that. See, the question would be, why would you even have to go through that process? Because he wants to involve us in that. Mm-hmm. He, he could do it without us, 
but he 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 says that the righteous that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. That's just him saying if you uh, if you want to walk with me. It just reminds me of when my father, you know, my grandfather actually a picture of my grandfather comes into play when he let me drive the tractor for a little mm-hmm. bit and so forth when he's working his field and so forth. Now he could have drove the tractor. Obviously I was four years old. He could have done it without <laughs> me. Uh, but he puts me on his lap. He lets me run the to involve me in that process because of my relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And I it was when I was four. I remember that vividly. I remember the joy that came from being a part of that, the love that was expressed through allowing me to be involved in just what he was doing anyway, but involving me in that. And that is what God does with us. He's just saying, just because I love you, I'm going to bring you up on my knee. I'm going to let you ask the prayer. You you say it, and I'm going to do it because you say it. I'm going to let you push the button. And and obviously, we don't have the power to make mm-hmm. it happen, but he's saying, I, I'm going to respond to you saying it. And, and so, look, he's basically saying, look around you. What do you think? What do you think needs to happen here? What do you think needs to take place? Knowing me, knowing me, your father, knowing and with the spirit of God within mm-hmm. you, now, what do you sense would be the right thing to happen here? And then we have this Understanding, or we look at this landscape and we say, I think this is what God needs to do here. And so we ask God to do it, and he's like, boom, right on. And then he does it. And then now we know more about him. Uh, we, we have the sense of love and joy and peace from being a part of that process and so forth. That's what this relationship is all about. So prayer is it's a powerful moment when we when we get it right, I guess you could say, when we actually access the mind of God. So, uh, And I think that's what's happening here with Hezekiah. The previous kings would get orders like this, and they just died. <laughs> you know, they just they did. They were they were not on track. But Hezekiah saw this and was like, you know, Lord, I I know this sickness is coming for me, and I know it's happened before. But if you give me more time, uh, I will live for you. I will live mm-hmm. for your glory. And God's like, you're exactly right, and and I'm gonna do it. And mm-hmm. and I'm glad you saw that. And so it's it's a powerful moment. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's that's it for today. So that's it, guys. Thank you, Josh Humphreys. You're yeah. welcome. I enjoyed it. Oh, was it episode 24? 24 today. I must have missed that. Wow. wow. It's crazy. How special. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> we're not halfway yet, though. Not yet. We're not cool. Yet. Man, we're so close. more weeks. <laughs> we're so close. But you're enjoying so gen- Are again, Josh? I hope so. Awesome. If you guys let me. Awesome. <laughs> we'll, we'll pray about it. Survives the week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.